Hello, I'm Tom Fraser, and this is the second segment of my interview with Warry Price, the president and founder of the Battery Conservancy in New York City. Uh, Warry, the battery has witnessed firsthand much of New York City's history. Tell us a little bit about the early history of the battery. The battery is integral from the beginning because this shoreline was where the American Indians fished from its banks. It was uh, in Giovanni Veranzano's uh, journals, uh, the first explorer that spoke. He didn't get off his boat uh, or settled. So this Italian-American exploring under the French flag did say, oh, I see hills, I see trees, and I see people with feathers. So I think he saw the Indian population, certainly saw the topography, which was hilly and filled with great native uh, uh, hardwoods. So those were those beginning moments that then is what welcomed the Dutch in the 1600s. And the park's been dated um, 1693. I think it was the promenade. It was that point where someone could walk at the water's edge was the defining element that kept it public. George Washington in his journals talks about, I don't think I can deal with the, any more uh, conflicts today. I'm going to go take a walk at the battery. So it's sense of the relationship of open space, tranquil moment, tree-lined, to the densely grid of urbanization that was going with the Dutch colony as well as um, New York and then forward back to the to uh, New York, the independent country or the independent nation. So it, it's, it's all the footsteps of our history have passed this landscape, but it's always stayed open. And looking back at city council deliberations about how can we let this this important valued uh, terrain not be used for building, and the public again and again would come forth to save it. The last, I think, one of the biggest battles that we knew was Eleanor Roosevelt and Robert Moses, the battle to not have the second bridge between Brooklyn and lower Manhattan, but to build the tunnel. And she won, and she saved the battery from complete demolition. Let's talk a little bit about the battery's more recent history. Uh, the battery is low-lying. It's, it's located at the very southern tip of Manhattan Island. About how many feet above sea level is the battery? That's a good question. Um, because of the landfill, I would say we're maybe five feet above um, the sea level. We know tidally when the water can come across uh, because, remember, our sea level is tidal, so it's not stagnant. Uh, At Sandy, 14-plus feet, tidal waves certainly came over the seawall and flooded certain areas. It was so interesting to be able to map the topography by just where the floodwaters came and then receded. It wasn't for very long. They came in around 2 a.m. and they were gone by 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. So it was a surge and then a retreat. What truly destroyed our trees was stormwater management. Low-lying areas on our perimeter that then caught the backwash of other flooded parts of, of lower Manhattan, and that killed 80 trees. So we are n- n- never going to be uh, 
planting London planes in non-salt tolerant. We are going back to our native um, trees, which uh, did sustain. Our willow oaks, pin oaks, really were much stronger post-Sandy. Um, and the same with our gardens. We called the horticulturalist in uh, New Orleans to find out post-Katrina if they could give us any guidance, and they were wonderful. They said there's three things. Number one, you must uh, clean. Bag and clean all refuge. Uh, number two, water. Whether you get rain or not, get those water trucks in there and push the salt level down below the root level of your gardens. And number three, bring in new topsoil. We did all of that and we really saved uh, so much of the of, of our garden level. And so it was a, a time of reckoning of what I think is becoming more and more understanding of uh what we call climate accommodation, that our landscapes, certainly the low-lying, uh, flood-prone landscapes around the world have to be understanding what the future is for their sense of maintaining their landscapes. Yeah, Hurricane Sandy, it was in 2012. Um, you know, we're only a few years later, but you really wouldn't know walking around the, the site that, yeah, there had been major uh, hurricane damage. Um, what lessons, kind of looking forward, have we learned from Hurricane Sandy? Um, what kind of remediation efforts have been made to prepare the battery for high wind and high rain events in the future? We certainly are building to the 100-year floodplain. Sea glass was built, and the basement was totally bone dry uh, post-Sandy, which we were thankful for. It, the basement level was all completed. The um, The building itself had not been erected, but... We certainly understood that we had done a proper analysis when we built it. So that's number one. Uh, number two is we will continue to use salt-tolerant plant material um, and hardwoods that can sustain the wind. We want to be able to give the public um, an enhanced experience all these years we have, but we also have to know that if we become a marshland, if, if we become an area that is filled with water, that will be our duty going forward also. We, we're not sure what will come forth as the planning aspect and what the real solutions are, but 2019 is a pivotal year for us as we study these issues. Uh, so what are you going to do in 2019? Our neighbors uh, to west of us is run by a state authority called the Battery Park City Authority, and they uh, have the uh, the needs and the resources to lead uh, the planning. Um, so between the city parks department and a state authority, with our, of course ourselves at the table, um, a group of experienced engineers, architects, and stormwater managers are working on what what are the 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 problems and how can they be solved. So we were we're that will happen. We've already had the beginning meetings and it will go really into thoughtful uh, understanding of, of what is going to be the areas and then building community consensus. One is understanding what needs to be done, but two, the big challenge is building the community consensus to say yes, we're going to do that. And is it berming certain areas of of the park to channel the water 
uh, do we raise the promenade eight feet? What does that do to our gardens? They become sunken gardens. And what will you do if you can't see the water from the streetscape, which you've always loved seeing as you walk through the park is the harbor view. Will elevating that uh, seawall and promenade uh, really obliterate that moment? Well, maybe you'll have to walk up high. Maybe it'll be a, a, a view that you have to climb to. So we'll deal with, we just want to be sure that the, the ideas are flushed out and that we really believe these are the credible ones that will secure the tip as we go northward along our westerly borders. Battery Park City and the city will be funding the planning and the implementation. We're there to ensure that the designs are of the best quality. They're there to ensure safety of the citizens. We're there to enrich the experience of the citizens. So I think we both have our work cut out for it, and we're, we are very optimistic about this working partnership. New Yorkers pride themselves for being tough, resilient people. Uh, what does the history of the battery and re- its response to events like 9-11, the financial crisis, and Hurricane Sandy demonstrate about resilience in New York City? We certainly, since we began in 94, have seen remarkable um, world events, um, tragic events that that really do take the strength of us, our steadfast spirit, as we call it. The 9-11, the battery was a a place of safe uh, escape. So everyone that got to the battery that day got home safely. We certainly had... Our time post 9-11 since the National Guard had 800 people uh, parked throughout the park. We were in a construction project and the, the, the current, the mayor was going to be leaving office and he wanted one, we wanted to ensure that that project got. So we had our contractors in the park on September 17th because that sense of nothing's going to get us down. We're going to open this new promenade, uh, with, the current mayor now, because it's too important. Um, we're, we're, and so everyone pushed forth, and we did. We opened it at the end of December uh, so that th- the new promenade was there as an emblem of our sense of fulfill- fulfilling a vision. We, of all the countries uh, that had lost people at 9-11, paraded from the from the the northern part of where Stuyvesant High School is with those students and their country's flags to the battery to open that new promenade uh, at the end of the year. So the we invited the ambassadors to the UN to bring their youngest member of their mission to celebrate this moment. So there were 82 different countries that lost their countrymen at 9-11. And we used that to bring the international community to uh, together that this is a step forward as we we begin the journey to rebuild. Certainly, um, the battery has done its own part of bringing people together to remember that date. We have many monuments in the park. We have 24 monuments. So the park has always been a place of contemplation and memory. And certainly 9-11 added to that. The Sandy at the other end is also probably had more economic destruction uh, because so much more land was affected by this other moment of, of 
tragedy in our lives. We had no human laws, but we had great economic uh, laws. So again, how do we recover from that? So we've been dealt with two extraordinary happenings. Um, and the people of New York are, uh, I think, some of the hardest working people. And I think that because we come from so many ethnic backgrounds and so and we each bring our own personal history to this city, uh, that we are reinforced in each other as we journey through and get through each of these um, quite extraordinary moments, historic moments. And we will continue. The The resilience is a challenge. It's a daily challenge of, of just not ourselves, but every day you read something else about the Arctic melt and what is that doing uh, to, to climate, to hurricanes, to... Um, tsunami, I mean, earthquake, I mean, the, the entire, this is a global issue, not specific to what we're doing. But because the world comes to the battery, it does give us this opportunity to, to showcase resilient planning, to showcase where are we going. And it's one of the reasons it drew me to the battery to begin with was the potential to market or at least expose people to various ideas. You know, certainly the landscape is a biodiverse landscape, unusual in parklands. So that's a that's a way to encourage people to only grow organic. You know, now it's what can we do to all become more resilient in the way we 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 live, the way we we work, and and how we are contributing ourselves in sustainable ways. So I I do think. The battery going forward uh, does have a role, an exceptional role, as as a world, as a global need of looking at uh, the uh, change of water levels, or as we say, the relationship of land to water. This is the conclusion of the second segment of my interview with Warry Price about the history and revitalization of New York's battery. To learn more, please go to the third segment of my interview. <laughs> 